0: Awesome, a very good morning to you from my side, and lots going on in the life of the church, hey? We're going to have to allocate like an hour slot for these announcements at some points in time, but it's amazing to be part of a healthy and thriving church, God's doing so much, and uh, do you just love your church? I don't know, I love this church so much, I love being here, Uh, it's amazing, at the 8 o'clock we were shivering in here and how quickly the day changes, hey? That's a beautiful day out there. Uh, incidentally, work continuing out there with City Green and the new project, uh, so this week they'll be able to come back and probably finish that road work, uh, and then we acquired three new containers this week. Uh, those containers are actually to be built into the foundation work on the property, so where we need them for the future building, they actually get built in now, so you'll see those going into place in the next couple of weeks. So thank you so much just for leaning in and your partnership with us. It's absolutely awesome, and I absolutely love uh, being together in this family with you. Amen. Awesome. I'm going to jump in because we've also got uh, communion that we're going to share in uh, just a little bit later. Uh, But you know that we're in this series. It's just, I think it's been so helpful, uh, called If Anyone Asks, uh, you know, and it's a wisdom series. Just give me a big wave. If you need wisdom in your life, everyone, if you don't put up your hand, I'll come and pray for you right now. (laughs) We need it. We need wisdom. And, uh, you know, we, we want to be people who live out our existence on this planet. Uh, with an eternal mindset, amen? Jesus, uh, uh, it says, not Jesus, but it says uh, in the Bible, Ecclesiastes, that God has set eternity in our hearts. And so we live with an eternal perspective, an eternal mindset. We don't live our lives wasting our days, amen? We don't want to waste our lives. Uh, We want to live on purpose, and for that we need wisdom, amen? And so the Bible's full of it. Now, there's specific books like Proverbs that's especially full of it, but right throughout Scripture, we can glean from the wisdom uh, right across the whole Word, and James chapter 1 verse 5 has been the anchor verse for the series. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. And I uh, just think it's been brilliant. Week one, we looked at wisdom uh, within our time and within our energy management, wisdom for the season of life that you're in. I mean, many of you will know you need different wisdom for different seasons of life that you find yourself in. You know, Vaughan and I apparently need wisdom for our final years. Uh, we, we're that old, Vaughan. <laughs> Younger. Yes, me too. So you're, you're close. You're close. I'm, I'm a bit further off. But we need wisdom, Amen. And uh, that was week one. James was brilliant last week. He spoke into distractions. A distraction. It's such a common thing, and he helped us to know that distraction is not just a—it's um, it, not just a problem with efficiency or productivity. It's actually a tactic from the devil to cause us to waste our lives. Distraction. We need wisdom for that. And today we're looking at a topic that I'm really excited to speak into. I think it's going to be really helpful for all of us. I'd encourage you to take notes for lots of practical things this morning. Are uh, we're going to be speaking about habits. Everybody say habits. Woo, habits, hey? We all have them. And uh, normally when we speak about habits, uh, we can speak mostly about the negative ones, the, the, the bad habits, right? Because there's so many bad habits that we can pick up. And uh, I decided to ask uh, Grant. Actually, i got a great idea for Father's Day when Duncan and Grant were on stage. We're going to play pick, pick the father. So we're going to put two siblings who look similar and then you must, and then we've got Shane and Nate on the band. You know, they're, they're actual identical twins. One of them is a father, and then one's not. So isn't that a good idea? Pick the dad. Yeah, all right, cool. We're going to. But I asked Grant in the office this week, because he's young, much younger than me, and much more tech savvy than me. I said, can you ask ChatGPT, come on somebody, I don't know what this, like, I don't know about all this stuff, right? It's just all, it's all a bit beyond me. I know how to Google something. ChatGPT, I don't even know where to go, like you need, I don't know, so ask Grant, please ask ChatGPT, what's a list of the 10 most annoying habits that people do? Now let's see if, let's see if we're going to resonate, but it starts, ChatGPT actually writes you a little introduction paragraph first, Uh, and it said, so just bear this in mind, it says, different people might find different habits annoying, as annoyance is subjective, okay, just bear that in mind. However, here are some of the most commonly mentioned habits that some people might have found annoying. Number one, tell me if you agree, nail-biting. Okay, so far, so good. Number two, interrupting others. Come on now, let people speak. Third one, being chronically late. It's rude. It's rude, okay? It's irritating. Uh, Number four, I love loud chewing or slurping. Woo! When you're sitting at lunch with someone and just hear them chewing in your ear, no. Constant complaining. Now, they all give little descriptions. Constant complaining, continuously expressing negative thoughts and complaints can bring down the mood of others and create a negative atmosphere, all right? So, ChatGPT is helping us over here. Uh, the next one, excessive smartphone use, right? James spoke into that last week. The next one, poor personal hygiene. It says, neglecting personal hygiene, such as not bathe in. Bath in or wearing unwashed clothes. Come on, guys, we gotta wear new clothes every day. You can't be walking around in your unwashed clothes, right? Number next, loud or intrusive conversations. I don't know, guys. When you go out and you're in a restaurant and someone's having a Zoom call without headphones for us all to hear about their meeting. Uh Uh-uh, irritating. Being consistently disorganized. And then the last one, overuse of slang or filler words. Like, 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 yes, like, like, Our <laughs> American friends, like, we love you, where's Sierra, like, don't worry, South Africans have got worse ones, <laughs> way worse, but then it does, con- it does give you a little closing paragraph, and I think just remember this. It says, remember that these habits might vary in annoyance depending on the context and personal preferences of the individual. Then ChatGPT gets pastoral with us and it says, it is essential to approach these annoyances with empathy and understanding as everyone has their own set of annoyances and habits. Thanks, ChatGPT. I think it gives a, a double thumbs up for me. That sounds good. I concur with all of those. But habits... Every one of us has habits, and there are good habits, there are bad habits, there's annoying habits. But the bottom line of what I want to get out of today, so just jot this one down as it comes onto the screen, the bottom line of where we're going today is that our day-to-day habits will either propel us or prevent us from effectively living out our convictions. Your day-to-day habits will either propel you or prevent you from living out your convictions convictions. And so I want to start there this morning. I want to start by talking about our convictions, living by convictions. You know, it's it's the place to start, is to ask the question, why? It's the oldest question that people have been asking ever since the start of time, is why am I here? It's, It's a good place to start, and it's a good question to ask. I think that for those of us who are Christians, those of us who are Christ followers, uh, there's two sort of um, aspects to it. First of all, th- there's a shared mission as Christians that you and I have. Every one of us has it as a Christian. It's found in Matthew 28, uh, and it's to make fully devoted followers of Jesus. We, we all have that shared mission as-, as Christ followers. It's the Great Commission in uh, Matthew 28, verse 19. It says, "'Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations.'" baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey and observe everything that I have commanded you. And then Jesus gives a promise. He says, behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so there's this common uh, purpose that we all have. We've said this before, the great commission. It's not the great suggestion, right? It's the commission. It's an instruction. And we all have it as a shared purpose. Every single one of us, as we pursue a life of obedience to Jesus, He states a common purpose that we all have, and then gives us a promise at the end of that to say that as you live this out, as you live out this purpose of making other Christ followers, Jesus says, I will be with you even till the end of time. Jesus is with us in it. Okay, so that's our shared purpose, but then I think there's another aspect. We have our shared purpose to be making followers of Jesus, but then I think that what God also does is He gives each and every one of us a unique burden. Everybody say burden. This is not a burden like on your shoulders. This is like a unique burden, a, something that, that that is uniquely to you. It's a combination of your gifts and your talents, your abilities, your life experience, your personality type all of those things put together comes out to a unique burden that God has uniquely given you and no one else to live out. And so that's what I'm talking about. So when it comes to burden, you know, when I was 16 years old, I got saved. And in the moment that I accepted Jesus into my life, a light bulb went off in that moment, and God gave me my unique burden. He gave me a burden for the local church. He gave me a revelation in that moment that the hope for the salvation of this planet is gonna be lived out through the local church. And so I've been been given my life to that conviction. That's my unique burden alongside with the purpose of making disciples, I've lived that out now since I was 16 years old. Now that I'm 116 years old, I've been living it out. I've given myself to the local church. I, I believe that I wanna see the local church be everything that God created her to be. That's what I live out. It's my unique burden. And Taryn said I should mention this uh, story, is that th- you know throughout my life, I've got two brothers. I'm in the middle of three brothers. Uh, th- my, my two other brothers on either side of me uh, ended up, their life ended up being full-time, very successful musicians in one of South Africa's most famous bands, and they lived that out for decades, and my, my whole life, I was faced with the question of, well, what happened to you? You know, I'm the middle brother in the, in the middle of this, and uh, I was able to say that was not my conviction. That was not my burden. God gave me my burden for the local church, and that's what I did, amen? And God gives every single one of us a burden, And so our purpose of making disciples coupled with our unique burden equals our conviction. That's what I'm talking about. When I say your conviction, that is what I'm talking about. And many people talk about what they wish they were known for. They talk about what they wish their conviction was. But that's not actually a conviction. That's just a desire, right? You have to be living out your burden. You have to be living out your conviction for it to be a conviction. Otherwise, it's just a desire. I can wish... To be known as a generous person, but if I never give any money away to anybody else, it, it's not an actual burden, it's not an actual conviction, it's just what I desire, but it's not actually a conviction until I physically give somebody else something from of mine, amen? You have to act on it, and so a conviction is something that means you are cut to the heart. What are you cut to the heart about? Because when you are cut to the heart about something, it's going to make you live that something out in your life, Amen. And so do you have this conviction? I think that life can be lived by conviction or consequence. And we want to be living our lives by conviction. And so why are you here? What is your life for? What are you uniquely burdened to do on your time on this planet? These are fundamental questions. And the reason that they are so important, the reason that these questions that we ask ourselves are so important is because they will help you figure out what your best, most healthy habits are on a day-to-day basis that are ingrained into the very fabric of your life that will enable you to relentlessly pursue your convictions. Once you understand what that thing is, when you understand your conviction, it's going to mean that you're going to have to put in place in your life daily habits that will enable you to live out that conviction. And that's what I want to look at. So we can start by looking at Jesus himself. Jesus was crystal clear about his why. He was crystal clear about his conviction during his time on earth. In John chapter 18, verse 37, Jesus says, For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. And so Jesus is saying the reason for his birth. The reason that he came to earth and spent his years on earth was not to establish a government. It was not to establish a political party. It was not to establish an army. He says, the reason that I came onto this earth is to pass a message on from my father and to call people to faith and repentance. That's what he means when he says he came to bear witness to the truth, to pass on the message from his father. And so this was the conviction that Jesus lived by. Every day of his life, he lived by it, and time and time again, right throughout the Gospels, we see habits of Jesus that propelled him to live out that conviction. John chapter 4, verse 16 says, as was his habit, he went to the synagogue. Bear that in mind. As was his habit, he went to church. As was his habit, it says in Luke 22, he went to pray at the Mount of Olives. As was his habit. Also in Luke, we read, he withdrew to desolate places to pray, as was his habit. And so Jesus lived his life by a set of habits, because he knew that these were habits that were going to propel him to live out his conviction on earth. Amen. It moved him in the direction of his conviction. We can look at the life of Paul as well. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, Paul says, For which cause I suffer also these things, yet I am not ashamed— For I know him, whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to guard that which I have committed unto him against that day. And so, what's happening over here is we find that Paul is suffering; he's under suffering, and he mentions that it's because of his persecution as a preacher and as a teacher and as an apostle. He's now been suffering, and yet he's saying, "Even so, I'm not ashamed." And furthermore, I'm in no way reluctant to suffer for Christ. That sounds like some solid conviction. I'm not ashamed, and I'm not worried about suffering for Christ. And he gives two reasons. He says he's happy to suffer for Christ, A, because he knows Jesus. He knows Jesus' own sufferings is what gave Paul the power to endure all things. He knows Jesus. And the second reason he says, I'm happy to suffer— it's because he believes that Christ is his ultimate foundation, not his own efforts. He knows Jesus and he believes that it's Jesus' suffering that is his ultimate foundation. And so a summary of, of this verse in Second Timothy about not being ashamed and being willing to suffer is that Paul is saying four things. Jot these down this morning. He says, I know, I believe, I'm persuaded, and I'm committed. I know, I believe, I'm persuaded, and I'm committed. In other words, Paul is saying that no matter what happens, I will live by my conviction. I know my conviction. I believe my conviction. I'm persuaded by my conviction, and I'm committed to my con- conviction. He's not saying I kind of know, and I'm not quite sure, and I'm not actually persuaded, and I'm halfway committed. When you live your life by conviction, you know you believe, you're persuaded and you're committed. And I suppose the question is, do you have that conviction in your life this morning? Do you have a conviction in your life that you can live out to say, I know what I believe, I'm committed to it, I'm persuaded by it, I believe it. The other imperative question that we need to ask when we're looking for this conviction in our life is what, or rather who, are we building our lives on? What are we building this conviction on as we live out our lives? I'm sure many of you will know Matthew chapter 7, verse 26. It says, Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. You see, we need the wisdom of God to be built in our lives on the firm foundation of Jesus If you have no convictions, if you let your uh, your life be lived out by consequence, you're building on sandy ground, and it's going to fall. You have to be building on a firm foundation of Jesus, and so if you're not building on that firm foundation, you're saying, I don't know, I don't believe, I'm not committed, and I'm not persuaded. It's shaky, sandy ground. Proverbs 16.25 says that there is a way that seems right to man, but its end is the way to death it's going to fall apart. You can't build on your own understanding. Our lives and our convictions need to be built on the firm foundation of Jesus himself. Amen. And so we've got the common purpose that we all live in out of making fully devoted followers of Christ, and then we've got our unique burden that God gives each and every one of us individually, and this should equal a life lived out of conviction. But to achieve this, to achieve this burden, this purpose, the co- this conviction, to, to actually achieve what you were born for in this life, you have to learn to apply the wisdom of cultivating the habits in your day-to-day life that will get you there. And that's where I want to be spending my time in, in, in the minutes that we've got left, is cultivating habits. Just hear, Let me hear you again. Just say habits. I need to make sure you're still with me, because here's, here's where we're going to start getting interested in habits, so much of the, um, what, what we learn from Jesus, but also what we learn throughout the whole of Scripture, is a concept about sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping. What we sow, we reap. Galatians 6 says, whatever one sows, so he will also reap. We find it right throughout Scripture. It's a principle. And this is so true with our habits as well. The habits that we sow end up being the life that we lead, The habits we sow will end up in the life that you lead. It's actually that simple. Our habits end up defining us. In Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7, in the King James Version, it says, As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Last time I preached, I used King James, and I said stinketh, uh, and today thinketh. We should use the King James more often. But as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Right? And how many of our habits start out in our thought life? I would say all of them start in our thought life. And what this proverb is telling us is that our thoughts become our words, and our words become our actions or habits, and our habits become the life that we get. That's what this proverb is telling us. Our habits end up shape in our lives. Aristotle famously said, we are what we repeatedly do. Excellence then is not an act, but a habit, right? And so our habits shape our lives, for the good or for the worse. And again, it's not what we say, it's what we actually do. That's why Aristotle's quote says, it's what we repeatedly do, not what we repeatedly say. Our habits will end up defining our lives. And I actually think that habits might be one of the most overlooked and underrated aspects of the Christian life. It is so important for us to get this aspect of life right, and for that we need wisdom. And so as as I was looking at this, um, I thought it was actually awesome when I looked into the book of Acts and found that after the birth of the early church that we read about in Acts chapter 2, when the Spirit was pulled out and 3,000 people got saved in one day and the church was born, what's the very first thing that the disciples decided to teach this newly birthed church? Well, you might not have ever seen this before, but what they decided to do immediately was to teach this new church a set of healthy habits to live by. For what reason? What conviction? In order to see the continued expansion of the church. They actually said there's some habits that we as the new church are now going to live by to see this thing continue to grow and expand. And so Acts chapter 2, verse 42 starts by telling us that they devoted themselves to a set of fundamental habits. Isn't that a really important word, devoted themselves? That sounds like a conviction, devoted yourself to a set of habits. And so they knew and they believed and they were persuaded and they were committed to these habits so that they could actually walk out their conviction in life. And so I don't know, I don't think it's a bad thing for us. I don't think we can go wrong by looking at these same four habits and seeing if we can build these into our own lives as we, con- uh, as we pursue the conviction that God has for us. Amen. All right, we're going to jump into it. So uh, take notes as we go through quickly. The first habit that we're going to speak about is the habit of prayer. It says in Acts that they devoted themselves to the prayers. I don't know about you, but I know that prayer not only changes things, but prayer changes you. Amen. Prayer changes you. I think one of the most incredible habits that you and I can develop in our lives, even today from this moment on, is the habits of prayer. As as we live out our days in the direction of our convictions, Prayer is one of the most powerful things that will bring about change to your situations, but more importantly, will bring about change to yourself. Just want to remind you this morning, we all need constant change in our own lives. All need constant renewal in our own lives, and prayer does that. Now, there's nothing wrong with a regular rhythm of prayer, a regular time of prayer. Uh, James spoke about, you know, first thing in the morning, it's an awesome time you know, to to set your heart right. And it says that Jesus did that. He said that uh, he had his regular moments of prayer. He had, as was his habit, his times of prayer. And so that's a good thing. I think that's a good starting block for developing a habit of prayer in our life. But I think what we should also do on top of that is we should develop a habit of just letting prayer color your whole day. Amen. Just to color your whole life, color your whole day. In fact, Paul himself was the one that said, I never cease to pray. And so prayer should be something that we do on an ongoing basis that right throughout the day, right throughout life, we pray and we pray praying, we pray. praying. And a good tip over there, you can jot this one down, is we also need to get over just praying for ourselves the whole time. Now, there's nothing wrong with it. We need, we need to pray for ourselves. Oh, Lord, help me with this. Help me with the next thing, whatever the case is. But what about lifting our gaze a little bit and starting to pray for the people around you in your life? Amen. And so as you're walking around and you, you will see and I'll spot Vaughan and La Relay and I'll say, oh, I'm going to pray for Vaughan and La Relay in this moment and I pray for God to bless them and I pray for their family and then I think of City Woman Conference coming up and I pray for City Woman Conference. You pray for those around you as you see them, as you think God drops it in your mind. You pray for people right throughout your, your day. You color your whole day with prayer. I, this came up on my Instagram from someone that I admire who just reminded me of the Lord's Prayer. You know, sometimes you can get to a place of you've, you've run out of, what, what do I pray for next? I wanna remind you that the Lord's Prayer is one of the most succinct, precise, and powerful ways to pray, especially when you're feeling at a loss for who to pray for or how to pray. And I just thought it was a good opportunity this morning to remind us of this powerful prayer that Jesus taught us. He says, our Father in heaven... Hallowed be thy name. In other words, let your name be kept holy. It says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Isn't that an awesome thing to pray? That God, your kingdom come and your will be done here on earth. We need that, amen? How many of you know this earth needs kingdom to come for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven? Then it says, give us this day our daily bread. Do you know what I love about that? It's teaching us that, that, that God is asking us to live in 24-hour segments. The most commanded um, instruction in Scripture is do not worry. Do not worry about tomorrow. Do not worry about what tomorrow might bring. Do not live in yesterday's hour either. You, you're here right now. And so God is saying, give us this day our daily bread. We're praying for the next 24 hours only. Give us this day. And forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Isn't that awesome? I think we can so easily forget some of these very simple things from the Bible. The Lord's Prayer. What a difference it might make to your life if every day we find a gap to pray the Lord's Prayer as part of coloring our day with prayer. It's so beautiful. And then of course, when you've run out of your own words to pray, and this happens to me all the time, just start praying in the Spirit. Praying in the heavenly language and, and God says that the Holy Spirit will intercede on our behalf. And he'll interpret on our behalf. And so when you're praying in the spirit for people, you don't know what you're praying for them. It might be the most powerful thing you can do. That is, you live out coloring your day with prayer. You're just praying for people in the heavenly language. Amen. Awesome. The next one we're going to look at, next habit, is the habit of being in God's word. Being in God's word. It says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. I love Hebrews. Uh, 11 verse 6, it says that God is a rewarder to those who diligently seek Him. And what better way is there to seek God than through His Word, amen? Through His Word that He's already given us. Seek God in His Word. After uh, James' message last week, which was so brilliant, I decided I'm going to form a new habit based off the, of that preach. And uh, I decided that the first thing I'm going to look at on my phone in the morning, it's not going to be the ESCOM schedule anymore. Come on now. Uh. Uh, uh, I mean, as you said it. Would you re- do you really want to wake up and the first thing you do is get angry about the ESCOM schedule for the day? No. And so I decided the first thing I'm going to do when I look at that phone in the morning is my Bible app. It is so brilliant. Uh, the, what's it, the U version? Yeah, maybe you've got it. There's many, but the U version, it's free, it's amazing. Uh, and every day it's, it gives you a new scripture for the day. You can do reading plans and devotionals on there. But I just decided that that's the first thing I want my eyes to see when I wake up in the morning, because it's gonna set my day off on a good path. And uh, on Tuesday morning, actually, when I looked at it, it was Psalm 119, verse 11, which says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Stored up your word. Other translations of that say, I've hidden your word in my heart. And how do we do that? How do you store up the word of God in your heart? How do you hide God's word in your heart? You can only do that by being in God's word, right? And so it's a reminder to cultivate a habit of being in God's word every single day. John 8.31 says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. Other translations for that say, if you continue in my word. And so it's not just about starting in God's word. It's about a daily habit of continuing in God's word. It's a habit that you need to put into your life. Um, I was looking for some useful um, practical handles for us, and I came across four D's that um, Pastor Rick Warren put out about uh, forming this habit of being in God's Word. I think they're really good. And the first D that he speaks about is making the decision to do it, the decision to do it. It starts with a commitment. You don't need to wait for the right time. You don't need to wait for a better time. You just need to make the decision, even today, I'm going to start in God's Word and I'm going to continue in God's Word. The second one is to make a declaration. You need to announce this to others. You need to let other people know this is what I'm doing this is the commitment that i'm making cuz it holds you accountable. If you just keep it to yourself and it's a secret, then it's easy to slip up. If you've told someone around you you're doing it, it's going to help you. Amen. Third one, make a determination. You can't let something just knock you off uh, your pedestal over here, knock you off your commitment. You need to be determined that you're going to make this a permanent habit in your life. And that's especially true in the early months. If you start skipping days in the early months, it's much easier for you to lose the habit long-term. So make a determination. And then this last one I think is awesome. It's a double up. So tell somebody else. Get someone else involved in what you're doing. Uh, find someone, a spiritual partner to come alongside you who will support you in this and who will encourage you in this to keep going in it. Uh, you know, Ecclesiastes says, two people are better off than one. They can help each other succeed. So double up. Those are some practical ways of saying, how can we devote ourselves to continue in, in God's Word. Amen. Is that good? Great. The next one, and we're almost done. The third habit is being together. Everybody say together. Ah, this is such an important one. And I'm so glad I get to speak about this today. Acts, they devoted themselves to the fellowship. I'm sure most of you have heard over the past couple of years. Hebrews 10 verse 25, do not neglect to meet together. As is the habit of some, but encourage one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Isn't that interesting? As is the habit of some. A habit of not meeting together is a habit, and a habit of meeting together is a habit. You know, it's been three years now since the outbreak of COVID, and um, I was watching a series last night, Brooklyn Nine Nine, and we're onto the last season. Oh, let me tell you, it's the season they did in COVID, and everyone's wearing their masks. I said, I cannot sit through a whole season of watching people in masks and the whole COVID story all over again. I can't do it again. But what COVID did, you know, it's three years later. We still have people as in as recent as last week who are coming back to our gatherings for the first time since COVID which is amazing, and, and, and part of the amazing story of our church is it wasn't a massive struggle to get people back uh, after those days, which was a great blessing to us, but every single person who comes back to an in-person gathering like this one that you're sitting in, without exception, every one of them says, it is so good to be together, amen. They say online is good, and it's a good tool, and whatever, but it's not the same and yes, it was a blessing, and yes, we made the most of it when we had to, but there is nothing like being together as God's people, amen. It is important, and so I want to just remind you this morning, these are some basic reminders, that Sundays matter, amen, that city groups in the week matter, that coming to City Women Conference matters, because it matters to be together. That is how God designed us, but it's a habit that we need to put into our lives, and so these gatherings, like what you're sitting in right now, we don't do these haphazardly. We don't do them by consequence. We don't do them by coincidence either, all right? We do these things by conviction, because we do believe with all of our hearts that being together matters that much. I can assure you that every one of our staff team, that every one of our elders team knows, believes, is committed and is persuaded that we should foster a culture in this church where being together matters. We believe it. Now, does the team get tired sometimes? Yes. I want to tell you that every single Monday when we wake up as a staff team, we're on the next seven-day deadline for the next Sunday. And those Sundays come around very quickly. (laughs) So we might get tired, but we don't grow weary of it because we've got a deep-seated conviction that Sundays matter. And so we've built the habit of that into the life of our church, right? I want to encourage you again this morning to remember that Sundays matter, that groups matter, that initiatives matter. Those aren't just initiatives for the sake of doing it for fun. It matters to be together and to learn together and to be in God's word together. It matters. Amen. So I want to encourage you to put devotion into that. It says we were devoted to it. Let's be devoted to it. And I'm preaching to the choir. I know because you're here and that is awesome. But I want to say, let's make that a weekly thing. Sundays, come on now, every Sunday, yes, Groups, every week we're in it because that's forming a habit in your life. You know, if you come and you go, if you come to church by consequence or coincidence, you're not building on very solid ground. Develop a habit of being together. It's what we learn here as well. Amen. Is that good? Great. I've got one more only as the clock hits zero. Amazing. Last one just quickly. The habit of generosity. Verse 44. Verse 44. All who believed were together, they had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing it to the poor as any had need. Now, I've preached this many times before, and I've said this many times before, that not only do I want to be known as a generous person, I do. That's part of my conviction. I want us to be known as a generous church. I want us to be, and and, and I, I believe that we are a generous church. I believe that we've got a spirit of generosity in this house, which is amazing. But guess what? It's a habit that you need to develop in your life. Generosity. You know, humans, we're naturally selfish, yes? So you need to counter that by developing a habit in your life of generosity, a spirit of generosity, which is what we learn from Jesus himself. We need to make it a habit. Now, again, we can say we're a generous person, But if we never give anything to anyone else, we're not. (laughs) That's just the bottom line. You have to act on it. You have to act on what you say that you are. It's the allocation of your provision that will prove your priority. It's a whole bunch of Ps. The allocation of your provision that will prove your priority. I love these TV shows where somebody's in a financial mess and then they come to like a financial expert and they say then this this financial expert must help them sort out their life, right? And then they say, I just don't know, like I just don't know where all my money goes. (laughs) Anyone else in the room, your salary comes in but you just don't know where it goes. And then all that this financial expert has to do is he says, give me your last bank statement and I will show you exactly where all your money has gone. The same is true. All you have to do is give me your last month's bank statement, and I will tell you exactly where your priority is. Because the allocation of your provision shows your priority. We need to learn how to prioritize this. Why? Because God never held anything back from us. God has ne- I want to tell you, God has never held back any of his blessings from us. And so likewise, our position should always be one of giving to others, because it's reflecting the heart of God himself. Our position should be giving to others, blessing others, imitating the heart of generosity of Jesus towards others that he has already so lavishly demonstrated towards us. Amen. Is that okay if I say that this morning? The same goes with our giving to God through the context of this local church. It might come as a surprise to you that the South African government is not so impressed with us as City Hope Church that they decided to allocate a budget to us to do everything that we need to do. The local municipality is not so impressed with us that they said, here's a budget to do everything that you need to do. It's you and me just look to the person to your left and right and say, it's you and me. It's you and me. That is how it gets worked out. And maybe you're here this morning and you've always said, I wish God would use me. I'm here with some good news for you this morning. If you've always said, I wish God would use me, just start giving. There is no question in my mind that God will use you when you make the decision to be generous and start giving. Amen. Just start and to be completely honest given tithing and giving and gifts and generosity it's just such a privilege that's what i want you to hear from me this morning that I, my giving is such a privilege that i get to use the money that god provides for me personally to be a part of what jesus is doing right here is an honor and it's a privilege that he will use my treasure as fuel for his mission. Isn't that, I mean, that's blowing my mind even as I'm saying it, that God would choose to do that. What an absolute honor, but at the same time, it needs to be intentional and it needs to be a habit in our lives. And so this morning, I pray God is stirring that up again in our hearts. Let's create habits of generosity. Um, I've been tithing for decades, since I was saved 116 years ago, I started tithing. It was just a principle and it's a habit that I developed in my life. Taryn and I have tithed our entire married lives. We have continued to tithe. We have continued to give. We've been given into the development of this property for 13 years. When we first came and we joined God First Church, There was a gift day for this property, and we gave into that gift day, and we've been given into this property ever since, and guess what? We're given into it again with this latest phase of development, and at the end of the day, it's just such a massive honor and massive privilege that I get to give my money away for the cause of Christ. Amen. It's an honor that we get to do it. It's a privilege that we would give our money away for the cause of Christ is the greatest privilege I can imagine. I pray that God just continues to stir that in us as a family, that he stirs this house even more to be a house of generosity, with a spirit of generosity. And so those are the four, as the band joins me on stage, (laughs) the four uh, habits, prayer, God's word, being together, and generosity. I think these sound like some pretty wise habits, right, to live by for every single one of us. In verse 46, I just want to read it again. It says, Day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God, having favor with all the people, and then the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved. And so you you must notice in verse 46, day by day, because it means habit. That was the giveaway. Day by day equals habit, It says, attending the temple together. Again, that means habit. It means being in church together day by day, in our context, week by week. Let's make this a habit. Come on, let's be here every single Sunday. Unless you are physically out of town, where should you be on a Sunday? Right here. And those of you who are online, nice to have you online as well. But hey, if you haven't been back, come back and let's be together. It's so important. Day by day. And then it says breaking breads in their homes. Surprise, surprise, we didn't invent groups. (laughs) In their homes. It's been a part of the church since the church started. It's a habit. And then it says the Lord added to their number day by day. And so it speaks again into sowing and reaping, right? Sowing and reaping. They lived out their convictions by cultivating these habits. And as they sowed these good habits, which are God habits, They reaped the fruit of it as God added to them day by day by day those who were being saved. And these habits resulted in the daily expansion of the church, which has never stopped expanding ever since that. Isn't that awesome? Why don't you stand up with me as we wrap up this morning? We're going to go to a time of communion in a moment.